welcome to Night and Tales. This podcast was created during the International Year of the Nurse and Nurse Midwife. And what a year that was. This podcast is dedicated to telling stories of nurses from across our profession. Our goal is to introduce you to the seemingly infinite possibilities in nursing and encourage you to find your true passion within this work. I'm your host, Jessica Spruitt, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to Night and Tales. I'm glad that you've joined us again today. And today I have the pleasure of introducing to you Dr. Keisha Cogdell. Dr. Cogdell is a doctorally prepared registered nurse in a renowned managed care organization company, which is part of the Health Maintenance Organization or HMO. And I'm excited that Dr. Cogdell is taking time to share her story with us today because this, as you know, this is definitely not something that we learn a lot about in school. This is certainly not a role that we get to practice in, you know, in the setting of a clinical environment. And so Dr. Cogdell is going to tell, help us think about the various places that nurses may, you know, have opportunities within different companies and share a little bit about the work that she does each day. So Dr. Cogdell, thank you so much for taking time to join us today and for sharing your story about in your nursing journey. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to actually discuss about how DMP prepared, excuse me, DMP prepared nurses are well positioned in different organizations. So thank you for having me. Well, it's great to have you and I'm eager to think about that. I'm eager for all of us to consider more what opportunities there are. But before we get there, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about where you started in nursing. You know, what happened after you graduated? What were your first couple of jobs and what led you down this path? Well, actually to start my um, my foundation of how I started my journey in nursing really started as me being a teenage mother. I saw the phenomenal care um, that I had received as being a teenage mom and wanted to get more into um, nursing. And before I wanted to really dive into nursing to see if I really liked it, I really started as a home health aide, a patient care technician, and for bondedness and moved myself up to actually becoming a registered nurse. Um, from that time, I um, actually had experience in pediatric intensive care units and transitioned into um, nonprofit organizations for like maternal and child. So I have a diverse background uh, with it um, that actually led me to where I'm at today. Dr. Cogdell, I love that. And that isn't something that I knew about you. So the reason I love that story so much is because one, your life as a vulnerable teenage mom was impacted by the care that you received. And so I just think, you know, what an important role nurses can play in people's lives. But I also love that story because I think listeners who might think, you know, maybe it's too hard to get into nursing, maybe it's too difficult to, you know, become a registered nurse, eventually earn a terminal degree um, because of various life circumstances. I mean, I imagine that you had to overcome some challenges and you, you know, had to defy some odds. And I, I love that story. I'm eager to hear more about it. Oh, yes. Um, I'm not going to say that my journey was easy, you know, as being a teenage mom. I did face challenges. I was actually 17 years old when I had my first son, but I had family support. So I was able to continue on with my education, graduate from high school. And I set my goal to become a registered nurse. You know, after I said how I really started my journey towards nursing, those foundational roots as a volunteer candy striper, that's one of the things I didn't mention uh, that really shaped the foundation of who I wanted to become as a nurse. It actually took, it actually taken me 12 years to complete that. You know, because of the challenges, because of the barriers that I had faced, um, not just only with this being a teenage mom, but that work-life balance, the things that we talk about now, um, you know, COVID kind of really shed a light 
on how work-life balance is actually is impacting um, single parents or just um, two household parenting, right? I already was uh, experienced that when I was going through, um, <clears throat> excuse me, going through um, my journey of becoming a nurse, you know, trying to navigate the waters of making sure that I was in school, but I had to take my kids to a doctor's appointment. A lot of those things. Um, and But I was determined. I mean, I was really determined to just not be a role model for my children because that was really my shining light at that moment. Uh, be, me being a role model and um, dismantling um, that assumptions that, you know, single mothers, especially teenage mothers, could never accomplish a dream. So that's why I said it took me 12 years to achieve that. Well, your perseverance is certainly inspiring. Um, and I, I appreciate that a lot. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about um, some early jobs in pediatric intensive care and um, some nonprofit work. What was it that led you to your work in a managed care organization? I think what really led me to, just to be candid and transparent, um, I actually was coming from working for um, the state of New Jersey in the child protective service arena. I was actually the after hours nurse. And I saw so many cases uh, that came through that system that, you know, care coordination was very important on how people achieve um, their well-being and their health, right? Individuals are not looking at the system, you know, um, for, I guess, wealth per se, but they want the health instead of the wealth. In other words, they're not looking at what a building looks like, what the inside of a hospital looks like. They also look at it like, I just want health. And transitioning to that level actually had opened my eyes even more because I needed to have that work-life balance. Not saying that the managed care company does not offer that, but I needed to have that work-life balance for my children. You know, I needed that Monday through Friday, you know, that 8 to 4.30 to make sure that I was home for kids. And, you know, just applying um, for that organization, they felt that I was a fit for them and I was a fit for, you know, um, for what they're looking for as a nurse. So that's how I wound up um, in the journey of, you know, managed care organization, because now I get to see I now I get to see the intricates of how the state functions when it comes to health care, you know, and health policy. I mean, it really has a lot to do with it on how um, um, CMS plays an intricate part of working for an MCO, which is a, a HMO company. But I also now have a better understanding of why companies make the decisions that they make versus then when I was on the other side of the hospital spectrum and tried to understand how that um, played one-on-one -to -one together, how um, pay for fee or fee for, uh, uh, fee for pay, pay, excuse me, um, impacted on how we disseminate healthcare, you know, to amongst our individuals. So, you know, just to answer your question is it was really more work-life balance, but it really hit a nail on the head because now I'm able to still coordinate care and be involved with someone's life, not in a direct manner as bedside nursing, but indirect. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think so often nurses find themselves, you know, in life situations where maybe three 12 hour shifts in the hospital isn't a good fit or weekend shifts or night shifts are not the best fit at various points in life. And there are other points where I think those are the perfect fits for people. Um, but I admire that you took that time to find still a job within nursing that fit the needs of your family. When you talk about coordinating care for people um, and kind of being on the other side of that, what is it that a registered nurse within a company like this would do from day to day? 
Well, it depends on the role um, that they have at a managed care organization. I actually have been working as a lead case manager for more than a decade with children who are exposed to lead poisoning. You know, we hear um, about lead poisoning and the impact and the impacts or the healthcare effects on how it impacts children who are exposed to lead hazardous. So in my day-to-day -day role at that time was to actually, um, you know, uh, contact the Department of Health to coordinate care um, to ensure that they are out of that lead hazard environment. Um, another additional thing could be contacting the provider to make sure that they are aware that their children have been exposed to lead poisoning and what we can do to reduce the impacts of um, lead poisoning on the children. And then the other component could be, you know, contacting um, early interventions, preventions, or interventions, um, early prevention programs that which are in school for academia, because lead does not just impact um, the body functional wise, but it impacts um, the cognitive level, behavior level. That's what you see a lot of our children that unfortunately wound up in the juvenile detention centers, or just even in adult correctional settings because of that exposure to lead poisoning. That is such an interesting role. I um, admittedly didn't realize that we had colleagues out there who were doing that from the managed care organizations. And I love that. What a nice added layer of support to help those families who have been exposed to lead. Yes. And so now most recently um, I have been promoted to a manager. So I am actually the manager now over the lead program in the Healthy First Step program. So those are another traditional roles that um, nurses can um, have in managed care um, organizations. They can be from um, that um, case manager as they define them. They do it te solely telephonically. And then sometimes they can actually um, be promoted into other arenas such as manager uh, or we don't use the term director of nursing in our traditional centers and hospitals. So you may see them in um, associate um, director nursing positions. Um, executive um, director's positions, they just don't necessarily hold the title as an RN in a higher position roles, such as chief executive nurse officers. It's, yes, so interesting, um, Dr. Cogdell. As you, as you share with us, because I really am learning a lot myself, as you share with us um, this particular program, and so um, with LED in, in your role now as a manager, what other opportunities might there be for someone who is a nurse looking for an opportunity in an insurance company or a managed care organization? Yes, there's many aspects. Um, like I said, there are so many diverse um, roles that are in, um, in these companies, you know, from nursing informatics, you know, they may define them as IT technicians, you know, um, it could be in the level of um, working for MCOs or HMO companies that can have a, a, an active voice for nursing. Uh, like in um, um, some type of clinician set program that sets up the, the pipeline for nurses to continue on with their education, you know, in that component. You know, like I, you know, just to reiterate again, I mean, just to just think off the top of my head, just for working with a company for so many years, that um, our roles are defined in so many levels, but you really don't know if that's a nurse really working in that arena unless you interview them, such as this wonderful podcast that I'm being interviewed for, or they get interviewed in a, um, a magazine or a peer-to-peer peer -peer journal on, you know, how that's going to be written up. You know, my um, current project that I'm working on is actually how DMP prepared nurses are impacting 
um, MCOs and HMO companies and what are their destinated roles that may there may be their interest of and actually maybe in the near future develop some competencies. We do have the AONL competencies um, that aligns to nurses and nursing leadership, but because of the uniqueness of working for um, a managed care organization company, you know, part of the HMO, um, the, the competency is a little bit slight different. You know, when you compare job descriptions on what they want you to have, maybe so totally different. So for example, um, you know, in a hospital traditional setting, they may prefer for um, a registered nurse to step into leadership roles, manager, um, executive director roles. They may want them to possess the master's of business administration. Although in a managed care organization, you don't have to possess that. But you have to have competencies about um, accountable care organizations. You have to have competencies about managed care in general on the functionalities of it. I'm gonna say corporate, because it's really more of a corporate industry um, than a hospital industry. Um, you may also have to possess the knowledge of Medicaid and, Medi and, and Medicare. We experience that when we are in the bedside, right? Or versus when we are case managers in a hospital, but just having that intricate information about the New Jersey family care. And the only reason I'm using New Jersey because I'm, I'm from New Jersey, but everyone pretty much knows about the CHIP program, the Child Health Insurance Protection Program, you know, that is offered um, to many of children. So those are some of the competencies that, you know, we know necessarily have to have in a hospital setting, but have to have in a managed care organization. I love what a wide lens you're offering us because I think that what may not be apparent to every listener is that there really might be nurses in roles throughout the entire organization that we don't even recognize. And what I love about that is that just means there are that many more opportunities for us, you know, and as you say, to really influence care, you know, to change the way that care is provided to enhance the quality of care that families receive just seems like such important work. And I appreciate you shedding that, that light and that broad lens on it. Um, that there truly are so many opportunities and helping to draw the parallels to, you know, hospital care that many of us are more familiar with. When you were describing, Dr. Cogdall, those, those competencies, um, when you became, you know, when you entered um, work with a managed care organization or as you've, you know, taken on different roles, how did you learn some of this? Because it certainly doesn't seem like information that we necessarily learn a lot about during our nursing education. So how do you go about learning these unique things? Well, the thing is, is that I always say that nurses always come with their expertise of clinical knowledge. You know, I think that's really the number one foundation. You know, regardless if you work in a hospital setting, an MCO, whatever um, industry that may be, having that foundation of your clinical background really impacts on how you um, practice as a nurse um, in these organizations. And to add on that additional competencies, um, it's two levels. It's um, self-learning, learning as much as you can about the industry that you're working in, uh, the intricacies on how a corporate organization functions, because um, although uh, we could look at any healthcare industry as a business, there's a different distinguish when you work in, in a 24-hour skilled facility than versus when you're working in the corporate world. You know, there's a different culture that you see and experience um, is so much different than, you know, in, in a traditional setting. And the third thing that I always recommend is experience, right? 
um, our lived experience on what we're doing in these particular roles and how you can improve in your competencies and your performance. And a lot of my experience came from me working in these organizations, right? Learning um, how the culture of um, the corporate world is, learning how telephonic is, right? I did not come from a telephonic background when I started uh, working for an MCO. So having that different level, instead of seeing my patients or my clients or my members face to face, now I'm behind, I'm behind a, a virtual world, a hybrid world per se. I'm behind and trying to pick up the cues of what can really be going on in a family's life. I don't just look at a child with lead poisoning. I look at it holistically. I look at it, how is it impacting their housing stability? Are they gonna be displaced? If they are gonna be displaced, how can we still ensure that they're in safe lead housing? How can it impact them neutral, no, neutral, not neutral, but um, direct dietary wise? Because our children, of course, when they're exposed to lead poisoning, really have to have vitamin C, you know, iron and calcium in their diet. But when you have a family that has some food insecurities, you know, how does that Im Im impact that child? you know, because of the social economics or the social determinants that are happening in the homes. You know, we have children that no longer qualify for um, what's called WIC, Women's Infants and Children um, Food Programs, right, um, that will benefit from, you know, the dietary measures that they have to have. So that's just only the component of it. And that's why I mentioned about, I just don't look at the child. I look at the whole holistic family, but just on a head device. Right. That um, I imagine that that was certainly a challenge, having gone from the bedside to being on a telephone. Um, but I love the way that you've integrated, you know, what um, what has been called the social determinants of health, or I think what you know another term may be a social influencer of health, and these considerations, which are so critical and and I think so central to who we are as nurses, right? Looking at the holistic picture, considering you know how the environment and all of those external influences really make a difference in the health and well-being of the kids and the families that we care for. This is such a beautiful example of that, Dr. Cogdell. I really appreciate it. And thank you. And just even, you know, I'm freshly new in um, being a manager for the Healthy First Step program at, um, you know, the organization. I also look at it holistically, right? Why there is a high mortality or uh, maternal or um, infant mortality rate amongst this population. You know, it's not just only um, <clears throat> preeclampsia, the things that you see in a hospital setting, like you mentioned, the social influences that impact um, healthcare. A lot of that has to do with, you know, women who are being um, experienced in substance abuse disorder. There are individuals that are homeless. You know, there's so many um, uh, factors that can play a part in that pivotal role. And that's why I'm really excited to step into this arena. Although I had a, a background in maternal child health, what was what is so beneficial about this particular role? Because I used to work for the Nurse Family Partnership Program. So I got the chance to see the community-wise um, with mental health. That's another contributing factor of it, behavioral health. Um, even um, women who have been incarcerated in prisons and jails, or now they have been released, you know, plays an impact on um, the healthcare, not just only themselves, but their unborn babies. 
You have just offered so much information, Keisha. You have helped really provide such a, a broader perspective and really enlightened us, I think, in considering this and considering how critical the role of nurses are within organizations such as this. I really, I appreciate this very much. Um, I'm curious as we kind of wrap up this, this episode, I'm curious if there are any tips or pearls or anything that you would share with new or emerging nurses or maybe nurses who were considering you know, a change in their roles. I guess self-reflection, trying to find out what their passion may be, um, searching, doing some soul searching, trying to find a North Star on where they really need to land at. I'm a woman of faith. So everywhere that my path has led me is where I wound up um, ending. I'm not saying I never applied for positions, but because opportunities presented itself actually gave me the competency and the foundations on where I'm at. Uh, one thing I can say is, is that if they are interested in working for um, such a company as is the company that I work for, outreach to those nurses who are working in these industries, get more information about it. Um, I'm looking forward and I'm really elated and excited to write this article on how DMP prepare nurses are positioned in um, MCO companies. What are the roles and values? So, you know, be on the lookout, um, you know, um, getting ready and prepared to write this article. And that might shed a little bit more light um, about um, working in such an industry as, um, you know, the MCO or the HMO companies. Well, Dr. Cogdell, thank you so much. Thank you for that message. I think, um, you know, it really is a beautiful journey that you've taken as you talk about, you know, the self-reflection and the different opportunities that have presented. And it is evident to me that you are really passionate about the work that you're doing. And I can imagine um, the children and families of, in New Jersey um, and the people that you are working with have been really inspired and influenced by, you know, by that passion that you possess. So, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for presenting all of this information to us. And um, I just would like to wrap up by thanking Dr. Keisha Cogdell. Um, she's from a managed health organization company, part of the health maintenance organization. And she has really helped us understand how many opportunities exist for nurses within this environment. Dr. Cogdell, thank you so much. Thank you, it was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Night and Tales. As you do, we encourage you to consider the unique nature of each person's journey through this profession. The views shared on this podcast are those of an individual, not the academic institution that they graduated from, their employer, or the professional organization that they're active in. The stories of their career path and progression are not intended to suggest that there is a uniform approach to achieving similar accomplishments but to open your mind to all that is available to you. Each journey in nursing is as unique as each individual that we serve. We hope you'll listen again next time.